to get out of the starting blocks. Yes. So Africa is a difficult country to do business, especially if you're not the kind of entrepreneur that we're used to in this country. Yeah, right? and obviously it's identifying the gaps, and that's, that's kind of what yeah. we as uh, entrepreneurs, as South Africans, need to do is find that gap. But how do you find that gap? I mean, there's, there's so many things happening around us. Yeah, so I mean, so the study of gapology, which is effectively what entrepreneurs do. It's interesting, you know, entrepreneurship is not something you can teach. People either have it or they don't, which is just the ability to come in and see opportunities where they don't exist. But um, so the question around how do you find the gap, it's typically around three things. It's you've got to find something people are willing to pay for that they need now and they have the money to pay for it. The minute you tick those three boxes, you're in business. So it doesn't matter what it is. You could be selling water, you could be selling ice cream, you could be doing anything. The minute you understand those three things, you effectively have found a gap in the market and you can start servicing that market. Yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the, the, the thing that you do know. Now, I mean, you were part of this Dragon's Den program. Yes. Uh, identifying successful entrepreneurs yes. and uh, investing in those businesses. So, you know, how do you you know when somebody is a successful entrepreneur? Obviously, they're characters, they're traits yeah, that yeah. you're looking for in people. Yeah, yeah. So the, typically, for me, I look for three things. First thing I look for is somebody who's failed before. So I'd never back my money or put my money in somebody who hasn't tried something and hasn't failed. Because if you haven't failed, the theory of failure, you know, entrepreneurship is interesting. It's a lot like, uh, it's a lot like swimming. So if I gave you a textbook on how to swim and you read it for three years and then I took you and chucked you in the ocean, You'd, you'd, you'd sink because swimming isn't a theory thing it's a practice thing you have to do it to know how to do it so the first thing I'd say is it's somebody who's failed I, I love people who failed because they've proven they've tried something and that they know what's on the other side of not succeeding which is this failure thing uh, the second is somebody who believes in themselves even when there's ridiculous odds to suggest it's not going to work mm. you know, I always say entrepreneurs are crazy you have to be crazy to be an entrepreneur you, you, you got to believe you're going to make money month end which often you're not yeah. you got to believe you can compete with big companies which often you can't you got to believe you can reach all your customers which often you won't and you have to believe you can do so cheaply and cost effectively and make a profit which in the early days you probably won't do if you don't believe those four things you're not going to succeed as an entrepreneur so you've absolutely got to be certifiable absolutely crazy and then Hey, it's a hazard, everybody. Welcome back to Freedom Fanatics. My name is Alex, your host for today with my esteemed colleagues on either side of me today, Sholin and Tiejo. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Guys, remember to follow us at Badger of Liberty. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as TikTok. Right, guys, so there we, we've opened up the show with uh, a guy we featured on some code cards, choice, choice selectively. Um, well, chosen selectively rather by Sholin. So, uh, yeah, a little ode to Sholin there. Um, prefacing our conversation that we're going to have today, and we've, we've looked a, a lot recently at uh, informal economies, the township economy, the value of small businesses. Um, you know, we've kind of pivoted away from looking exclusively at what you can do internally in your community from, you know, you know picking up litter, f fixing puddles to a, bit, a little bit more of a business focus. Um, and the reason for this today for sharing this Bustemba uh, Kwayo clip um, is because there are some movements coming from the government about how to transition spaza shops to formal businesses, which will, according to the small business, I can't even remember actual title. She is a small develop business development minister, Stella and Benny Abrams. 
um, says that you know we'll boost uh, the sustainability of the spaza shop uh, and informal economy. Now, the last thing I remember Stella and Benny Abrams for was either wanting to uh, effectively tax people for watching uh, Netflix, um, and he had a party in lockdown. But aside from that, I think this is kind of in the right direction. The wording in the the start of this article was a bit strange, but effectively what they what they want to do is there are plans afoot to amend legislation to provide norms and standards for common business licensing framework for spaza shop owners. Now, I uh, I think I I think this this conversation probably requires you know a lot more uh, policy analysis than I think at least myself uh, is capable of, but I think. Maybe if more of our senior colleagues would be able to to speak to this, but Tiago, um, I think the conversation I want to have today is more around the bringing on board, um, helping out, um, formalizing the informal economy. Do you, th from from having seen the article, do you think this is something that's achievable? Um, is the government heading in the right direction here, or are we kind of looking at are they just trying to get tax out of? Uh, hardworking citizens? What's your view here? Well, I think that's, that's precisely the question on my mind, whether or not this is not just a way of a way for them to get tax and to regulate the industry. I mean, the question that I, I found myself asking myself, having read the article, is what the actual plans are. Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't think the article touches on the actual plans. The minister does not tell us what the actual plans are. They tell us that there are plans that they are working around. So I think one will be able to make a, a, an informed um, 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 opinion around the issue once they've read the plans. Mm. Uh, but for now, what I understand from this is that they want to register Spaza people, one, two, so they can have their information on their database and stuff mm. of that nature. I think there's not, no harm in simply registering, formalizing, and having these people, uh, people who run such businesses on, database, on, on your database uh, the information might be necessary at some point, like we have seen in 2020 when the government needed to support spazas because we had lockdowns. They did not have the spaza shops owners' uh, mm. details and everything of that nature. But now there's, 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 there's a second question that I'm asking myself. How exactly the minister thinks formalizing the industry would boost growth? I think to that very question, I think I, 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 that's where I'm wondering if, 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 if she's not coming from the angle of, of, of collecting taxes from spaza shops so government has more money and stuff of that nature. If that is the angle she's coming from, then it's absolutely a terrible angle. Uh, we can't have a government that really relies on uh, mainly citizens and small businesses for, for an income and growth. Uh, government needs to focus on start focusing on bigger projects that, that can really bring us growth, uh, creating an environment that is business conducive so businesses can excel in it and stuff of that nature. But for now, yeah, I don't think one can give mm. a thorough al analysis around this because the actual plans are not shared at all. Mm. No, absolutely. Shalom, we had an article shared recently, um, well, which we published uh, from one of our, our interns who's really come into his own. And, and that this is an article from... Um, Simo Zulu, and his article was titled Six Reasons Why There's Big Business in Small Business. And I think we've touched on this before. Um, but one of the things that he points out is that, according to his research, 17% of empl um, employment comes from um, the informal 
sector and the township economy. So there's obviously massive potential here. And one of the things that Seymour touches on is, um, you know, expanding opportunities, access to funding. Certainly nothing wrong with the government making it easier to, do, to, to register a business, get on board. I think that, but that could, that could be applied across the board. So are we looking at the kind of mentality that maybe we should be not just helping the small guy, which we should, but actually just as an approach to the country is making business easier? Yeah, exactly. That's an important um, point to raise that Diego raised um, crucial points, I think, as well regarding this, um, is that in the article, I must say that um, I I appreciate the fact that finally some recognition is being given to the fact that um, entrepreneurship at, in the forms of spaza shops, um, um, shops in townships, um, they are actually vital to, um, as we previously spoke about, like the Kashi economy, um, that they basically are the reason why people are able to buy and sell things at an affordable price um, mm. in communities that are not necessarily, you know, middle class or wealthier. But for low income communities are actually able to gain goods from these types of shops. And one of the things I would probably also raise um, is that mm. in the article, um, our Minister of Small Business um, Development, she always is also rather... Um, um, causing some concern because a lot of the mm. language refers to things like regulation. Mm. And that is already an impediment um, with regards to this because we must also understand that when this, when the government standardizes a, a form of legislation, whatever the case may be with her, um, where all township um, spaza shops are meant to be registered, um, need to have um, BE, um, you know, um, um, requirements that they need to meet is that the route that we're going to go with this um, because eventually we will see that it will instead of promoting job creation okay, promoting entrepreneurship it will inst instead hinder it because now mm. people sit back and are like oh no but the government goes to this and this community and takes a few pictures and brags about um, business development but over here we do not know how the documents need to be filled out we don't have any um um, advice on how many of these requirements need to be to be met and so forth and it will eventually become a hindrance for the processing of documents to take place we we already know that's a common situation in south africa and that's that would probably just be my concern is that mm. when there is discussion about regulation is it, it will most likely hinder the progression of small businesses being established mm. um where all it requires somebody's initiative um, but yeah. when it comes to the government supporting small businesses, my question would also be, um, which small businesses are you going to be supporting and how? Um, mm. And what requirements do they need to meet? You know what I mean? Because eventually it might just be a situation where the government's like, especially since we have things like affirmative action, you know, PE policies, like, oh, no, we're only helping um, black um, small businesses and in this specific area. They need mm. to be located somewhere in Soweto. But if there's one in the Eastern Cape, we don't care. Um, yeah. That might even be a situation that we experience. So I would really be cautious with the suggestions like this, um, hmm. that, you know what, that might just hinder the progress. Yeah, and I mean, it's not, it's not even unfounded uh, warnings there, Sholem, because we, we saw it in lockdown when uh, yeah. there was support for tourism uh, players in the tourism industry. And that was, uh, I think, Kubane was the, the minister at, at the time of that, um, of that department. And they, yeah, they spread um, funds according to your sort of BE credentials. So I think, I think the, 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 the point here is, is I think, you know, got to be very 
uh, cautious about yeah. what the government yeah. is yeah. saying. And like Tio says, once the thing comes out, once more uh, actions plans come into play, we'll have to look at those critically. Um, and I think, yeah, just before I, um, Tioko, I want to give you the final word, but I think just something here, which also kind of made me feel a little bit, gave me some shivers was that the single database would allow the state to monitor and regulate the trends within the retail space. So like that for me was like a bit of a red flag, but any, any final comments here, Tioko, before we move on? Well, my final comments would be, well, around first and foremost, exactly what uh, you just mentioned. Uh, you look at the trends, then what do you do after that? Mm -hmm. And I think it's precisely what Sholen spoke to. We are dealing here with a government that loves interfering uh, within the free market, causing uh, 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 complications along the way. So I think chances, as Sholen has mentioned, are that they are going to mess this up. But the second question that comes out is a question around why the government feels the need mm. to itself uh, be the one to, to, to initiate the process of bringing spaza shop owners together so they can stock together and stuff of that nature. I mean, is that not what business people should do by themselves? I mean, the business community can organize themselves. Mm. And I, I take it that this idea comes from... Uh, the whole idea of a lot of Pakistan uh, spaza owners, normally what they do is that they work together, they buy stocks in bulks, then it becomes cheaper that way, they divide it, then their prices get to be cheaper. And that's how their spazas keep on sustaining, whereas other spazas of people who buy for themselves stock alone at normal prices are not cheaper. But they did not need any government to do that for them. For them. The business people came together and did this for themselves. I think what the government should be doing is to encourage Spaza people to do this as opposed to the government doing it for the Spaza people themselves. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that government wants to do uh, such a job on behalf of the people. I think this is spoon feeding the people, but the consequences in future will be quite dire because we'll have a situation whereby in future, if business people are unhappy about certain decisions taken there, we might have a protest, departments closed and stuff of that nature because the government has, has, mm -hmm. has decided to implicate itself in this thing that does not involve them at all in this aspect. Jolin, you, you look like you're on the edge of your seat there. Yes, yeah. I just want to add to what Diego said there. Yeah, exactly. If the government or um, our minister wants to actually help, they shouldn't be, you know, be um, forcing businesses to come together in whatever collective. They should instead be creating platforms um, for small businesses and spider shops even to be showcasing what they have on, on sale. That's just an, that's something I think of inviting investors from overseas, even taking spider shop owners or people that sell whatever merchandise and small business owners, taking them overseas and showcasing their work to the world. That's the type of platform that should be created and let the market then decide which succeeds and which does not. Because the, otherwise we will have a situation where it will depend on your connections, not only to the government, but also to the ANC about whether or not your spouse shop or small business mm. will eventually succeed. And that's a dangerous situation to be in. So definitely, I think platforms should be created where um, conferences or investment um, situations are, are showcased across the board for everyone to come to and be like, guys, showcase and bring whatever mm. you bring to the table and show it to investors. And mm. that's what I think. I think I think I want to disagree. <laughs> if they were allowed to. Mm. I wanna disagree simply because puzzle shops are local community shops. And mm. I don't think they necessarily need to showcase to investors. They sell mainly to their communities. What needs to be done is that 
I think they should be given the space, Paza Shops, as 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 the guy. What's his name? The guy we opened the program oh, with, I guess. Vusi Tembekwaya. Vusi, as Vusi mentioned, that the job of as a, of an entrepreneur is to identify where there is a gap, mm. and find a way of filling that gap and make money out of that. I think, yes, you could empower the Spazasha people with information that could assist them with identifying what gaps are, are exist in their communities that they could fit in and stuff of that nature. But it's it's not even that big, right? This 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 does not even need much of mm. government intervention. And I think it's like saloons. It's an industry that mm. you should just allow to, to, to flow by itself and allow people to figure out what's missing where they are have them yes registered but let people figure out what's what's on demand and what they can supply so they can make their income there yeah i think i think yeah i think i think what this this statement from the benny abrams to me sounds like is thinking too hard i mean i think there's some merit to it mm -hmm. but let's just keep people safe you know you've got informal street mm -hmm. traders where's the police presence so how are we protecting people so that the inventory doesn't get turned going to you know, it's a cash economy. You've got people traveling to and from in public transport with a lot of cash that is at risk. Um, you know, so there's a lot of small things that the government could do without that they could even get a lot of praise for doing without conferences and legislation just really just doing what we have or doing what we can do better. Mm -hmm. um, but I think obviously this ties in very well to our kind of follow up from last week um, from Gussie Economy's our, our sort of feature of them. Um, but the story that one of the stories we actually spoke about and Sholin shared a clip with, of, of it was um, this uh, this guy, Tsepo, who sold um, biscuits. Um, and since then, this is pretty remarkable. So Kasi Economy shared it on their, on their Facebook page. And if we look here, it got shared almost, it got reached almost over 4 million people um, just from this page showcasing his business. And now Tsepo um, Yadi Lemo is, I mean, he's flourishing. Um, he's got a brand, he's got a uniform, he's got a logo. Um, I think it's just incredible. Um, Tsepo, what are your thoughts here? Well, I think this is brilliant. Uh, what, what, what normally we would take as not such a big story has become a big story. And I think it, it absolutely deserves to be a big story because it's an encouraging story, a story of a young person who made it in an industry, bought a car, things did not go well, lost his job, and 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 he was not ashamed to say that you know what I'd like to keep my car, I'd still like to put food on, on my mm -hmm. table. I'm gonna go and sell biscuits and uh, cookies at the streets. And he's making an income for himself, right? It reminds me of a story that trended about two years ago of i don't remember what the name of the guy was but i think he was posted on gas economy as well who was selling biscuits as well in johannesburg and metropolis in johannesburg took his stock because he's an informal trader and he couldn't trade like that but his name was Itumeling, i remember but he he mentioned that he was making fifteen thousand rent uh, on a monthly basis for himself now that's a salary from making these biscuits and selling them he's making that so this is definitely a good story and i hope that we'll have many more such good stories coming up and organizations such as kasi kasi economy sharing such stories so they can inspire other people and show them that really there's no shame in any kind of uh, business anything that can bring an income so long as it's legal so long as you're not harming the next person 
really go for it be comfortable with it get your income food table uh, put food on your table for yourself and your family members with that kind of dignity i think it's a it's a brilliant story really and more of such stories should be encouraged more citizens should go this route yeah no absolutely and sholan i think what what i found really like satisfying was the responses to this obviously people are really interested in it, but there's not a one negative response to this tweet uh, guys saying cool name nice one like this is what i want to see on my timeline good progress you know like really people are seriously chuffed about what he's doing um i think there's there's something there in for unity in the country yeah. people people want to see other people succeed generally i think um so maybe there's a recipe for success here some sustainable ubuntu what do you think yeah no i absolutely agree with you alex i think that especially like on social media or even if you just put on the news for a second, we are flooded with stories of how terrible things are going and how chaotic things are. And this thing is being burned down and this person is stealing money. Um, I mean, those are terrible situations to hear about all the time. That for mm. success story for this to reach so many people with just one um, social media post is incredible. And I think that's exactly what I would want my timeline to be flooded with going forward is, you know, success mm. stories of people who actually were um, unashamed to be like, you know what, I'm going to try something. And as Bushi mentioned at the start is that, um, you know what, I'm not afraid to fail. And exactly failures actually should actually be seen as a, as a, um, as an indication of, of, of progress. And that's exactly something that we should be mm -hmm. encouraging because I do think many times people see this and they're probably like, nah, you know what? I don't, I don't want to, I wouldn't do it just in case I fail, just in case I lose. Um, I don't want to sell biscuits. It's not um, dignified, but I'm like, guys, this man is making an income for himself. He's, he's, he's providing for his family. Um, unashamedly, he's, he's, mm -hmm. he's making a living, a living wage. And that's something so many people talk about, but are so unwilling to go and get my mm -hmm. guy, so Alex. Yeah, like the example you mentioned earlier, Tiochod, you know, 15,000 Rand is a hell of a lot more than uh, the 350 Rand the government's going to give you for your, for your, for your uh, yeah. bag of groceries. So, yeah, there's definitely something here for all of us. But, guys, I think let's, let's leave it there and, and head into your reactions this week. Unfortunately, Bali is away. She is ill. But uh, we nonetheless have some interesting reactions from you guys back home who follow us at Badger of Liberty. And we'll jump into that now on your reactions. All right, guys, cool. So this week's content that we're gonna look at for, for your reactions is from our, from our Facebook page. Let me just share it quickly. And it's a quote card, might've been shared before, but um, it, um, it's it's it definitely got the conversation going um and this came from a colleague of ours um tutkani and debele and he says that poor levels of performance in the school system condemn young generations of south africans to unemployment poverty and dependency now the comments around this were people got emotional guys look this is for us look not for four million uh, reactions like because the economy did um but you know it's still you guys really got involved in the conversation here um now let me there was one comment that um 
you know, we've got comments here like from, from Mark who says, dependency on the state, you know, taxpayers will keep the ANC's electric blind, blindly voting for them. Um, but th there's generally a sense here that the government has failed uh, quite wholeheartedly um, in providing a the platform for, for good education. Um, and it's something we've shared about a lot on the on on, on freedom fanatics um and as rihanna says here you know it's disgraceful um now we want to obviously look at a bit of a, a silver lining um where where do, where do we go with this uh how do we yeah how, what's your what's your reaction to 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 Takane's sort of analysis here well, I think I, I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely agree with Tudukani. Uh, the failure of any government uh, to invest in the education system of its society will result in its people becoming unemployed, becoming mm -hmm. poor, and depending on the state. What we actually need in South Africa is a quality education Quality education, number one, in terms of the content of the education itself. Mm. Secondly, in, 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 in terms of the education that's provided, being, being in line with what's needed in the market, mm. right? Two. But number three, you also need a quality education that assists every individual to become the best visions of, the, of themselves. So say... The three of us are in the same classroom, yet we have different talents and skills. At the end of the day, when we leave this classroom, each of us must be empowered to an extent, no matter how different our talents and skills are, mm. right? So the South African government is failing to, uh, South African education system is failing to do that, at least the public sector one. Mm. Uh, they are trying to get everyone to think the same way, trying to get everyone uh, to, 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 to be talented in the same way, which is impossible, really. We are not really investing in the individual's uh, talents, individual skills, and polishing that. Mm. That's precisely what I think we need to do. Once we get to that point, we should have a lot of entrepreneurs coming up because we have assisted assist them with polishing their talents, with polishing their mm. skills, but as well uh, with getting them to move from dreaming about something to making it a real thing you know you have mm. you, you empower them with the necessary skills to get to that point mm. otherwise if you don't do that such as what we are doing right now in south africa feeding young people same information that's not even practical for the most part a whole lot of theory and stuff of that nature that won't get us far at all mm. absolutely i think let, let's take this, this conversation in, in a direction here that uh, Juanita de Brain has, has highlighted. And she, she, she thinks that they don't want to educate their voters because smart people won't vote for the, vote for the ANC. Um, I've never really been convinced by that. I've never thought it's really a deliberate attempt. Uh, Sholin, what do you think? Um, I, to a certain extent, I do think there's a, some sort of um, attempt, especially when it comes to like um, topics such as history, um, where the ANC really frames things um, in a favorable view for them. So I do think there's, there's, there's a, there's, there is some merit to a statement. But at the same time, I also think um, that, you know what, they 
Um, Alex, you usually make the statement where you say that, where you say that you know what, incompetence um, shouldn't usually be blamed when it's um, just the inability. They um, Malice shouldn't be blamed for incompetence. Sorry, is that is that the correct one? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's exactly the case. What I think, yeah, I do not think they mm. are themselves that smart um, to think um, about something <laughs> that brilliant, to indoctrinate an entire <laughs> population. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I also want to touch on something that Diego mentioned, um, mm. especially with like the demand of the market. Um, and that's exactly where our, that's, that's what our education system is meant to, um, follow is to see that what, um, going forward, what are going to be some of the, um, not only the jobs, but the, um, the, the academic requirements for some of the jobs of the future, um, looking forward. Mm um for that we're going to require and how should we educate people in that regards and i definitely think things such as um whether it's compu computers or robotics uh mechanics these are things that um are going to going to define the future and south africa cannot be left um you know running after whatever is already being designed but we should actually be the ones who are leading it um and actually determining how these things look and how these things are going to shape not only our future but our country, our economy. Um, and I think we are we are we are really missing the mark. They're missing the mark, especially our our government. Um, they are missing it so badly um, that I think they are focused on things that are not really that relevant. Um, that that's still stuck in apartheid thinking. Um, but our economy and the food and the and the state of the world is no longer there. And we really need to move with the times, um, respectfully said. Um, and that's exactly where they need to have a very contemporary mindset. Um, and yeah, I spoke to, I had the opportunity to speak to um, Jonathan Jansen, Professor Jonathan Jansen recently, and asked him what was some of like his, his thoughts around, you know, what can actually be done to solve our education system? Um, because he's a professor of education. And one of the things that he um, mentioned and usually uh, my expectation was like this man's going to come up with brilliant ideas around policy and all of these things need to be structured and the one thing he mentioned was the level of accountability in South Africa is zero there is no accountability in our school systems that is encouraged um, whether it's keeping even teachers accountable principals accountable our education officials accountable there is a, a disassociation of parents who uh, mm. They see really how much the children might be struggling with and failing education system, but they are not giving the opportunity. They are not given the opportunities to keep the leaders or whatever the case may be accountable. And mm. it really comes down to where parents are not able to financially um, give to an education system, and that's why the IRR advocates for something like um, school vouchers that gives parents, you know, mm. vouchers in the hand so that they can keep schools accountable. To be like, if you don't teach my child properly. I'm going to a different school. Mm. And that's what school vouchers is something that um, fixes that. And that's why I do think accountability with it in the form of school governing bodies. And it literally separates private schools from public schools. Where mm. private schools, there are so much um, accountability because parents are like, yeah, I'm giving a lot of money. My kid better have a proper education. And mm. public schools are just like, we just, we, just, we just want my kid to be in school. It's the scraps. Mm. It's like it's at the bottom. Like just teach my kid, <laughs> and it's a very unfortunate situation to be in. That a standard is not demanded. So mm. I think that's something we, we can definitely improve as well. Mm. So I'm going to give you the final say before we wrap up today. Well, I think I think let me not mess it up. I think everything that Cholin has said wraps it up for me. Uh, I agree with everything that he has said. 
I do think that education is a is a crisis that we must fix as soon as possible. I mean, as even in universities, for example, you go to universities right now. Let's say you go into the accounting stream. Look at how they are teaching them at many universities. I'll speak about Rhodes University. They are still teaching people accounting, for example, in a manual manner, whereas in the actual market, very few big corporate companies are still working manually. You know, mm. there are certain systems and certain applications that are being utilized because that's that's where the world is moving towards. So we really need 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 for our education system to be linked with where we are, the times where we are, where we are moving. Accounting shouldn't still be offered in that manual manner. Yes, you can still teach someone that when the system is off, is off this is what you can utilize. But for a university like Rhodes, that produces so many accountants on a yearly basis to still be teaching people manually, whereas all of them are going to a technology world. It's madness. We really mm. need to take education seriously as a country. No, absolutely. And I think let's leave it there, guys. I think what I'll do is we'll wrap up with a little clip from a minister. Speaking of a lack of accountability, leave you with a clip from an esteemed minister on a popular news channel, and then we'll say our goodbyes. Guys, thank you so much for joining. Remember, you can catch us at Badger of Liberty on Facebook, Twitter, as well as Instagram and TikTok. Right. All righty, guys. Thank you so much for joining. We'll see you next time on Freedom Fanatics. I don't know. How can you not know, Minister? You know what? I don't know. But that would be astounding, Minister.